morning, brother. How you doing? Very well. Tired, um, but very happy to have this as a place just to then learn, uh, just discover what I'm currently doing. Discovering being the keyword. How are you? I am in need of this today. You're absolutely right. This is something which feeds me. And we were having a discussion before we went live about all of the things that I've got on my plate today, all of the people I have to serve. And you made the suggestion that maybe we should reschedule or we should move this around. And I said, absolutely not. Because of all of the people that are trying to take something from me today, take my time, take my resource, take my energy. This is the one thing where I feel like feeds me. Unfortunately, yeah. it feeds me and it, it feeds others as well by God's grace. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, definitely grateful for this. And I couldn't imagine going too long without using this platform. And it's very strange because the beginning of this year, this didn't exist. So yeah, just very grateful and just looking at how I can make sure that this maintains uh, an integral part of my life. It's fascinating hearing you say that because there are, from the feedback we've received, there are many people who want to know explicit mechanisms um, in the pursuit of being highly effective. And having something like this is one of them for us specifically. Um, you might put it into different words, but it's, it's a space for reflection. It's a space for almost honest exploration as to what's happened, how it's happened. Uh, and we'll say reciprocal coaching environment where we can learn through what has occurred to better prepare for what is next. But it, it also reminds me of a phrase which I shared with Menaz, our wonderful guest, the commercial lawyer from last week's show, which was the residual impact of intentionality. And it was only until she parroted it back to me that I thought, I need to really think about what I said to her because that's such a powerful statement. And I think it applies in every aspect of our life. We are all benefiting from previous seeds. So the question is, mm. okay, are, are we planting seeds currently? Did we plant good seeds previously? How this relates to what you just said is, there is a residual impact in the week based upon the intention of having this moment of reflection. And it's something which I, I really want to continue to explore because it, I'm seeing that it really impacts all aspects of my life. But we have to be intentional for the budding entrepreneurs out there because the seeds of intentionality might not harvest now, but eventually they will. And it's something which we can explore in greater depth when we look into this week's topic. And before we delve into this week's topic, let's actually delve into one of the, the seeds of intentionality that has sprouted and grown. Tell me about your weekend, bro. Brother, I have to be very grateful <clears throat> for family and friends. I have to be very grateful for you. Um, so I managed to coerce several gentlemen to abandon their lives on Friday to help me move. Um, so I... I moved home on Friday, which was an achievement which hasn't really sunk in. One which has meant a great deal to me for those people who've listened in the past. Um, homes, 
like physical spaces to live have always been almost like a key figure within my own life story. The, the objective in terms of entering the world of entrepreneurship was about buying a home. It was having a place which was yours, which couldn't be taken away from you, a safe place for you and your family. And being able to purchase a second one just doesn't seem real at all. It, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. But the one thing I am going to focus on, which isn't necessarily just the, the gratitude around the people who were immense in terms of making that move happen so swiftly, or the actual acquisition, but was one of the lessons that I've learned. The seller blew me away in terms of their generosity. When I walked in and went into the kitchen, there were four presents and a bottle of champagne. Um, Upstairs on the kids' rooms, there were laminated pictures for my children um, with their names. And it, it embarrassed me in how much thought she had put into giving to me. I really bought her home. She didn't have to (laughs) give us presents. She didn't have to have a box full of key documents with names of the cleaner and the window cleaner and documents about the the neighbors next door who wants to do an extension and the eight keys that she has for the front door because all the neighbors actually had a copy to her key. She didn't have to do any of that. But I took a step back thinking, this is a life lesson. How can we show love and compassion to those who don't necessarily feel that they need it? I was mentioning it to my wife that I, I, I know you, you um, think that this is amazing, but we now need to level up. We have neighbors who must have loved this woman. So <laughs> we, we need to go to Tesco. We need to buy Ferrero Rocher's and Christmas cards. We need to give it to our nearest neighbors and say, hi, we're the Josephs. Um, welcome. And just learn from what she has done because I, I would never have done that. And it's, um, it's a lesson for me in terms of how you can make people feel. I thought I really understood my Angela's quote about how you can make people feel, but she's taken it to whole new heights. And the beauty of that is it's done from such a righteous place. Like she will very unlikely, she's very unlikely to ever see you again. But the impact mm. that she's made on you from a brief interaction is going to linger. And the only thing that really warrants activity like that is the need to pass it forward. Yep. And yeah, I think it's absolutely beautiful. I think everything about it was beautiful. I think the move to your beautiful home is fantastic. I think you've got an amazing place to raise your children in. Until the next one. Until the next move or any next child. Listen, there is power in the tongue. Stop it. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was also really good just to see your friends. I understand what you mean about people being coerced into to joining you on this this uh, move, which as anybody knows, a move is quite stressful. But I think it was yeah really lovely to see people show up and, and support you in this because... One thing that the people who turned up have in common is they're all very busy people. Yes. Um, one of the individuals who uh, helped you move had to take a break to do a conference call. Yep. And 
Yeah, I think that's that that is testament to the type of people that you have around you and also it's testament to yourself that people are willing to to inconvenience themselves or make go that extra mile in order to make sure that you're okay. And yeah, it, it it's one of those weekends where a lot of valuable lessons can be taken away. So once again, brother, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. And once again, I, I just hear the the residual impact of intentionality. Pay it forward. Um, the golden rule: treat people the way you wish to be treated, and you'll be surprised. I think there was who was it? Was it uh, Rowan who said, "If you give enough people what they want, they'll eventually give you what you want," which is, in essence, paraphrasing: treat people the way you wish to be treated. Yeah. Let's all be intentional. And I say that to myself as someone who's truly trying to understand the full extent of intentionality because entrepreneurship is about intentionality you are investing to reap amen to that one one thing that people will have noticed over the last couple of weeks is that there's been maybe a shift in focus in some of the topics that we've spoken about rather than it being an academic discussion around business and growth we've spoken about more social or pastoral elements of our lives and shared the lessons that we've learned from that and for some people they may see this as maybe a bit on- incongruent uh, but for others and I'd hope for for most of you you realize that these concepts are not mutually exclusive in order for us to be high performers in business in our working lives we must be well rounded we must be three dimensional otherwise the imbalance will take us off kilter the imbalance will, will will lead us astray in your workplace you can always tell the individual who's got a rough or difficult family life going on because they bring it to work yes whether they realize it or not. So I really hope that people have gained some value from some of the discussions that we've had around mental health, around our own personal well-being, around our own milestones because that has a direct impact on how we perform in business. But with that, this is expensive lessons, a podcast where company directors share with you the lessons that we've learned during our short but eventful journey in in the realm of business and today we're going back to basics we're going to be talking to you about something that is pertinent right now something that if you're listening to this there's a good chance that you've had some involvement or some experience with in the last week or so and we're going to be talking to you about some of the lessons that we've learned in the process of applying some of the concepts that we'll be introducing so, Afalabi, please, what are we talking about? We're talking about a time of year which I hate. Now, it is the most wonderful time of the year, as he begins to sing. But it's also the time period where those of us who are product or service providers are lulled into the world of sales. In essence, if you think about Black Friday, Cyber Monday, the Christmas sale, the Boxing Day sale, and then the January sale, for almost a quarter of the year, Companies are encouraged to 
have sales. Now, if you do this effectively, this can be exceptional for your business. There are businesses who actually record that close to 70% of their revenue comes from that one quarter alone. However, if you get lulled into the hype and do not really understand the mechanisms and the levers for your, your own industry and business, it could cripple you. Absolutely. So in today's show, boys and girls, we are going to be focusing on sales. Why to do a sale, how to effectively do it, and when to know to pull out. <laughs> yes, yeah, links back to potentially uh, another episode where it's when when is it a good time to take your ball and go home yes and when it comes to sales uh, there can be a bit of an arms race and sometimes the best approach is to walk away and live your own life but starting off with that first question what are the reasons for running a sale why do you think sales can be or should be applied or executed mm. Well, sales are a fantastic opportunity to raise and increase revenue. And I say revenue and not necessarily profit, because in essence, what you are doing, if you're not being mischievous, is you're slightly reducing your profit margin to increase the revenue that you're making through more people purchasing. Um, I say not being mischievous because there are companies who can legally um, increase their prices 21 days before the sale and then showcase a discount, which actually equates to the original price. Um, I know this because my, my wife is looking at bathrooms and only because she's fascinated with interior design and property investment, she noted that, hold on, this is exactly the same price as it was beforehand. But for those who are unknowing, like myself, would have thought, oh, 30% off, it's brilliant. So. The sales is a fantastic way for you just to generate increased revenue if done effectively, but also a wonderful opportunity for lead generation. Mm -hmm. There are instances where some people might offer a sale potentially with marginal profit, dare I say, even breaking even, hopefully not making a loss, but possibly with the view that, gotcha, I now have your details. I now have your, your, your custom, your service. I can approach you again for something which is of higher value or lower value, something which caters to other needs I know you're going to have because you've already purchased this product or service. So that initial loss or break even long term in terms of lifetime value of that customer is even greater. So with, with all that I've said and all those complex sentences, I hope people realize that it's not as simple as saying 15% off people. A lot of thought needs to go into it. And personally, I've seen how we have benefited greatly from sales periods, but also I've seen how I have personally got the numbers wrong and shifted a lot of stock. And numerically, you know how data can say whatever you want it to say? Numerically, you're looking at, wow, this is the, the second greatest sales period we've ever had. But was it profitable? And that's a really important point, which I, I want us to delve into. And you've already mentioned customer lifetime value uh, or lifetime value known in the business as LTV and 
how you can actually equate that. If you know that your product or service or your offering is conducive to repeat purchases, then selling a product at a heavy discount or even selling it at cost is a great way to get them in the door and then letting the machine of your business or the mechanisms working behind the scenes keep mm. them there for a second or third or fourth purchase. Now I've got your email address. Now you've signed up to my newsletter. Now we can follow up with a please rate us. Now you've now that you're aware of our good customer service, maybe you're spoiled and you don't want to go back to your usual supplier. These are all reasons why the next time you purchase from us, you might be purchasing at full price. Yes. Yes. Uh, definitely go back to some of the podcasts around e-commerce, um, also around selling during lockdown to understand how those mechanisms behind the scenes can be leveraged. But there are different types of sales. When we talk about sales, sales campaigns, no two are ever alike, depending on the time of year depending on your current financial situation as a business, you might apply various different approaches. In terms of your preferable approach to sales and discounting, what would you say your focus is? Where would you say your, pre your preference lies? So I'm always thinking about the percentage between returning customers and new customers mm. and ensuring that whatever's on offer is advantageous for both. You want to keep your current customers. They already purchased from you and a great deal of your focus should be on them. So that's why there are many instances where there will be preferential treatment there. However, you only have a, a, a fractional um, share of the market, meaning that there are other customers who potentially don't know of you or know of you who you could reach out to. So the balance has to be right. So preferentially, I, I love in-house sales intermittently throughout the year for those of um, who already know me, know the company, so that they stay with us. By keeping them, you ensure that when that quarter of sales periods does happen, the period which I stated earlier, which I hate, they are not kidnapped by your rivals. I, I use the word kidnap because there are underhanded tactics which occur. There are poor maths which occur. Being explicit, if you're in an industry which has either um, low barriers to entry or it has people who are in desperate need to raise revenue, the discount amounts which could be offered during a Black Friday, Cyber Monday, a Boxing Day sale just does not make sense economically. And if you focus on that business so much, you will forget your numbers. And if you attempt to match them out of the fear that they're going to take my customers, then you suddenly start running at a loss. So my preference, to cut a long story short, is intermittent sales, which are in-house, to show those people who already purchased from you, there's, we're friendly, guys. There's no need to mm -hmm. go away. So you, you've highlighted a few things that I really want to drill down into and maybe provide a bit more detail around, which is 
that the, the key point that I want to pull away from what you said is that a sale must have a purpose. Mm. We, don't, we don't put on a sale just because it's a Tuesday and we feel like being nice. Yep. Our sale must have some sort of focus and some sort of desired outcome. And the desired outcome that you're looking for would impact the type of sale that you do and who you target. So I want to run through a few which you've touched upon already. You can do an existing customer sale where you can provide a discount code or you could reach out to existing customers only in order to offer them reduced prices. What's the purpose of that? The aim there is to ingratiate yourself with that existing customer and keep them. Yes. In many industries, the majority of your revenue comes from existing customers, not new customers. And therefore, keeping existing customers on your books is absolutely vital. So having an existing customer sale, one which is exclusive to people who have purchased from you previously, is a great way of making sure that they don't go anywhere. But then you can have a new customer sale, which is a little bit more contentious because the chances are that existing customers will be aware that new customers are being offered a different deal and may actually make them quite upset. We saw this a lot in the early 2000s when phone shops were the rage. We don't Mm. really see phone shops the way that we used to. There used to be phone shops everywhere. Yep, the link. Phones for you, car phone warehouse. But they always had special deals for new customers, which meant that people would be more likely to switch and change quite regularly. But why were they doing that? The reason they were doing that was because, especially in the early 2000s, that telecoms market was booming. Mm. And people who never had mobile phones before were getting their first mobile phone. So there were a lot of new customers up for grabs. So having special discounts, special deals for new customers was a great way of making sure that your revenues increase and your pipeline increase in the future. So I think we'll talk a little bit about how we can navigate those types of sales when we're dealing with new customers in in the future. But I want to kind of touch up on a few other types of sales. Flash sales. So these are sales which typically run for a very short period, maybe a day, maybe a weekend. Why would you want to operate a flash sale? Well, one of the main reasons why running flash sales intermittently throughout the year can be quite effective is that means that you're keeping your potential customers and your existing customers on edge. They want to pay attention to you. They want to pay attention to your social media. They want to pay attention to your uh, website on a regular basis because they don't want to miss out. They're more likely to check your social media intermittently if they know that, okay, well, this company does flash sales quite regularly. Yes. So that's another really effective way of making sure that people are paying attention to you, new customers, and existing customers. Then the next sale is what I would refer to as a, what would I call it? I'll refer to it as an old stock sale or a limited stock sale. So this is an, a sale where the aim really is to 
offer discounted products, but only from a specific range. And the reason why you want to do this is for two reasons. Either you've got a very limited amount of stock of one product that you just want to shift so you can replace with new revenue, or you have a product which isn't moving very much at all. And the aim here is to target a specific product range and get people focusing on that. Now, somebody might not have touched your product at full price because it's not a very good fit for their needs, but at half price or at 30% off, for instance, maybe that's enough for them to, to make that leap and take, take the plunge and purchase. So when we're talking about limited stock sales or uh, specific range sales, it's a great way of getting rid of stock, which is either close to being finished or stock which hasn't moved at all. Yes. And the final, the final type of sale that I'll refer to in this section, there are hundreds and hundreds of, of different types of sales that we can do. But the final one that I'll talk about is bundle sales. So bundle sales is the idea, and this can be for existing customers or new customers, but bundle sales is the idea is if you purchase more than one thing from me, you will get money off. So I'm not giving you a discount or a, limit, a lower price per se, but you will get a lower price if you purchase more than one product. And the aim here is to make sure that you're maximizing a customer's purchase so that a customer who is buying from you is buying as much as they possibly can. Um, mm. so, so if you know, or if a customer knows, well, I'm going to be buying from these guys again in six months time, but I might as well just double up on my purchase and save money. That's great for them because they save money, but that's also great for you because you increase your revenue. Yes. And what you may be thinking is, well, if I sold them two separate products, at six month intervals, I would have made more revenue in the long run. That's a great way to think about it, but within a six month window, there's a lot of risk that that customer could have been tapped up by one of your opposition. Yep. So by locking in that sale at an early point, even at a discounted rate, it's a great way of maximizing your revenue and reducing risk. What this looks like is buy two, say 15%. And using data, um, apps, mechanisms on your on your website to encourage people to do this, allow it to be something which is just always occurring all year round. Not really publicized, but it's there. And they will see in the checkout that, oh, I've actually accidentally put two of these items in, but it's giving me this discount, allowing them to ponder and to think about it. I don't really need to now, but I might do. I might need a second one in six months time. Or actually, my my friend also gets this. Should I reach out to them to see if we should go and halves on this? It makes sense. So it's, it's creating Absolutely. those almost cognitive conflicts, which are good within the customer as to, oh, I could actually spend more now, but make a saving from my perspective. There's a the theory about that. Abby, you might need to remind me around um, the customer's believing that they have had the they've got the better part of the deal there's a specific phrase to it but that is the essence of and the psychology behind sales you want your customer to feel as if they have got 
a great deal. And in essence, in a strange way, you're the one as the provider who's being slightly shortchanged, but not them. The issue with that is that can be distorted so much so by people who don't understand their numbers that yes, actually you are being abused right now. You do not actually make anything from this um, sale. Abby. Yeah, no, this this is value-based pricing. So when we look at anything we purchase, we place a value on it. Um, And anytime you buy anything for yourself, maybe not for someone else, but for yourself, you're making a judgment. The judgment is that the money that I'm handing over is less valuable than the product or service that I'm receiving. If you thought that the money in your pocket was more valuable, cognitively, you wouldn't let yourself make that purchase. If you went into Tesco and you saw a piece of, uh, you saw a, a pack of chicken and it cost £30, you wouldn't make the purchase because cognitively, a lot of things are happening. Number one, for £30, I could, I could feed myself with other things um, that, that, would, that would be a lot more substantial. Um, number two, I've seen this product being offered at the same quality at a much lower price. And number three, the money that I would hold in my pocket provides me with the opportunity to do other things that I think are more valuable. And it's not necessarily a a straight food for food swap. Some people are willing to starve themselves in order to go to the rave. It's more valuable. So (laughs) so, so, So the question is, is what you are offering more valuable to the person than the money in their pocket? And as soon as you can get over that challenge, then you're able to ensure that people are constantly giving you revenue. The the other concept that you have to overcome is the idea of status quo bias. So whenever somebody is purchasing a product, they especially if they're they're a mature, seasoned customer, they're substituting one product for another. So if they're a new customer to you, it's not because they're a new customer full stop. It's because they're leaving somebody else and coming to you. Mm. And therefore, you have to give them a reason to make that leap and possibly take that inconvenience. And one of the best reasons is because what they are getting from, from you is more valuable than what they're getting from someone else or is perceived to be more valuable than what they're getting from somewhere else. So it is a psychology game. And there are a few areas of psychology that we can touch on in this discussion. One really interesting one around numbers and maths, but this is the the, the hurdle that you need to, to, to overcome. We know yes. that most people are not mathematicians and are not crunching the numbers. So ultimately this is a question of how you make them feel and how your sale or discount or offer is perceived. That psychology around numbers is, I I think we should go into it, because once we stumbled across it, it it just changed the game. And to to simplify it to the listeners, it's rather bizarre that some people would rather, some people are more likely to be triggered by 
a discount code which gives an accurate amount off, i.e. £30 off, rather than a percentage off. Now, the numbers might um, seem larger. So £30 off compared to 10% off. But 10% off could easily be greater. Absolutely. Because... Go for it. There's an experiment we can run, which is if if I tell you there's this there's this shirt, there's this Ralph Lauren shirt that's costs fifty pounds, and it's on sale. What would you rather have? Would you rather have twenty percent off, or would you rather have ten pounds off? Let's see. It's the psychology there. There, there now, are a lot of people who aren't thinking about the actual numbers. The, the, the answer is it doesn't matter. Because 20% off and 10% off is the same amount for that £50 shirt. But instinctively, you're going to hit 20%. I'm taking it. Yeah. But but on on the other hand, if you had a £200 jacket that you wanted, what would you rather? £40 off or 20% off? I'd take the £40 off. The answer again is it's the exact same amount. But numbers have a very visceral impact on people. And therefore, if you're able to tap into that with your sales, then you can make a sale look a whole lot more attractive than it is. Well, not, not more attractive than it is, but you can make a decision to make it look as attractive as possible. It's called the rule of 100. So if it's less than, if if what you're selling is less than 100 pounds, use percent. If what you're selling is more than 100 pounds, use the pound value. And in both instances, you're going to be maximizing the way that your discount looks. It works, people. Surprisingly, it works. So it really does work. And there, there are a lot of other, of other mechanisms that you can pull on. The other mechanism that I think is worth pulling on is urgency when it comes to a sale. Now, one of the reasons why sales lose their impact is the idea that some companies are always on sale. Like mm. DFS, for example. DFS is always on sale. Um and the, the detrimental side of that is that people don't actually have that call to action to purchase from them because there is no need to make a purchase right now because if I come back later, there's going to be a sale for me. Yes. So urgency is an effective way of making people buy now. And you see this, you are receiving these messages three more days to go. Sale ends at midnight. You, re- you even get these emails with a countdown timer which is just triggering your brain to think there's an opportunity which is slipping through my fingers. So Mm. using urgency, and this is once again a numbers game, using urgency linked to your sale is a great way of making sure that people actually purchase. Now, the truth of the matter is, during this period, you are going to see sale after sale after sale because this is the quarter where people are vying for attention. I almost, I, I want to delve into that. Why do you think we are in a situation where for a quarter of the year now, there is a non-stop 
sales period with a few periods of respite, which customers are savvy to anyway? It's, it's, it's a very good question. I think it really does boil down to the materialism and that the commercialization of the um, holiday seasons, whether that be Christmas, um, whether that be Thanksgiving, or even Halloween for some people, that the commercialization of those holiday seasons has attributed gifting and product acquisition for yourself with that season. And gradually over a period of time, coincidentally, because all of these seasons are within two months of one another, it has just morphed into one, one period of intense sales where everyone has to show that they are doing something because someone's doing something. There is a new entry into the market who is trying as hard as possible just to generate leads. So they're, they're, they're prying on our need to acquire things we don't need and to sometimes gift it to other people knowing that the price that you're actually acquiring it for isn't always a sale no and we've got an arms race happening now so if you're a new business or even an established business the cost of not having a sale becomes potentially life-threatening yes and therefore there is this desire to make sure that you're in still in the race and this is what i think has led to just these prolonged periods black friday used to be a day <laughs> it used to be a friday that was it. now it's a two-week period yep it's the, the, the concept of Black Friday has, has lost meaning because somebody decided that they wanted to start their Black Friday sale on a Thursday. <laughs> and then somebody else saw that and said, I'm going to show you. And, and, and we think about I, Cyber, Cyber Monday, which is a fascinating one, because the only purpose behind Cyber Monday is to ensure that people who haven't been paid yet for Black Friday and haven't chosen to go into debt to make that purchase can purchase once they have been paid. And once again, I think it is a psychology thing because a lot of the biggest stores are very savvy. If you go to the John Lewis website, you'll notice that their new exclusive luxury products are not on sale. No. The no. products that are on sale are the fourth, third or fourth generation version of, of a product. You'll see... Uh, for example, if, if you're trying to buy a vacuum cleaner and a Dyson, for instance, the brand new Dyson is not going to be on sale. Nope. But the, third, the, the 2017 model will be. So for John Lewis, this is a great way of them getting rid of old stock. But for you, you're getting a bargain. Even though you probably wouldn't have purchased that product at full price or at all. If that product was currently in John Lewis for the Black Friday discount, but it wasn't Black Friday, you wouldn't have bought it. No. It's because of our mentality, our, our, our approach to this period, which has made it a cultural phenomenon as well as a, a business strategy or a business tactic. And so the point I'm making there is just 
as a business owner, depending on your product or service, you should still be very weary about joining the arms race because some services are not conducive to significant significant money off, significant discounts. No. And be happy. Be happy to say that your sales five percent off. I was on a website for my wife for something to do with the home. I kind of remember what it was. And that black their Black Friday deal was five percent off. And part of me thought, how dare you? But then actually <laughs> I, that was with my consumer hat on. But then with my entrepreneur hat on, I, I get it. Like they don't have to keep up with the Joneses and offer 25% off. They don't have to keep up with the Joneses and lie that this is actually a sell when they actually increase their prices in October to only decrease them now via the percentage. Well, One thing I would mention... Go, go for it. No, go ahead. One thing I would mention is VAT. Um, please, please, please factor in VAT. If you feel that you are being... If there's no strategy to your sell, pause, think, speak to someone else. So these companies understand the purpose of this period and they're factoring that in into their yearly plan. They know what they're going to do. They know the, the losses that they're going to um, absorb, et cetera, et cetera, if any. But if you haven't gone with the, with the strategy and you're just trying to keep up with people who that 25% off has asterisks on it and it's for a specific range and not everything, and you jump on and say, okay, I can, I can afford to do 20% off everything. Know your numbers because... Yes, that might take you to the point where you're close to breaking even, but you are still, hopefully, going to pay VAT. And you might have a, a very um, worrying surprise in Q1 of the following year when you realize, hold on, why, why is my VAT bill so high? Because you haven't actually factored that in into the, the overall cost. Absolutely. And... I want, I want to touch on something which is linked to that, which is when we make a, a when we agree a discount, we execute a sale for money off, we are sending a message to our customers that our products can be this low. Yeah. Dangerous. And what that means to a customer is either the quality isn't as great as I thought it was, or these people are making astronomical profits. Yep. And what that then pushes people to do is potentially look elsewhere because they realize, okay, well, I can get the same quality for cheaper because if you're able to discount it by that much, then people that are offering it at less, uh, at lower prices are probably offering the same thing. Um, but it also tells the customer, if they like you and they like your customer service, it tells the customer to wait and then binge. Mm. There's going to be a sale at some point and it's going to be for a lot of money off. So when it comes, I'm going to wait and I'm going to buy out the bar. <laughs> so be very, be very cautious about how high you discount because it can send implicit messages to your customers that your luxury range for instance isn't as luxury yes. and I, my view is that not everything should be discounted in some instances it's better to do free than discount depending on what your product is because if you if you discount a product 
you're saying that we can charge much less for a product. But if you do a giveaway, if you give away certain things, or if you have the opportunity for people to, to, to get things for free as part of a purchase, then what you're saying is our luxury product is still luxury, but we just want to treat you. We're not going to discount it because we're not going to muddy the water and we're not going to devalue our product. Yes. But we may give away some of our products because we're nice like that. Once again, if you see some of the premium or luxury range uh, designers, their new stock is never discounted. The only things that get discounted are their old stock. And in some cases, not even that. In some cases, companies like Burberry have been picked up on it. They will rather burn their old stock. They will rather turn it to ash than selling it at a discount because they know that it devalues their brand. Which is a very important point to really stop and ponder on because you mentioned purpose being the, 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 the key foundation to a sale. No, what kind of brand do you have and what kind of brand do you want? Um, it, it was said to us early that it's, it's far easier to have a middle to luxury range or a high ranging um, price range and then lower it rather than having a, a low one and then increase it. And that's all because of psychology. What, what image are you sending out there to people? Because they will remember it, which is why I strongly recommend that you do not go on sale for three months straight. No, because it would just be that assumption that actually you're either desperate or this isn't of as much value as your branding earlier suggested. Burberry, I salute them. Whilst that is uh, an unbelievable waste, it is it's genius. There are companies who don't go on sale at all, ever. There are items which don't go on sale because they are forever valuable. Petrol, I'm waiting for the day that petrol goes on sale. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I might actually buy containers um fuel electricity a house price they, they, they don't go on sale so really think about when you do go on sale for how long for, for what amount or what percentage and what the objective is it shouldn't be to keep up with the joneses i think to close out from my perspective, I want to delve into maybe two more areas. So I want to talk about how we can make the most of a sale. And then I also mm -hmm. want to talk about some of the financial impacts as well. So when I, when I say how can we make the most out of a sale, I'm talking again about strategy and the purpose of the sale. So right in the beginning, we agreed to do a sale because we think that it's going to help us achieve a specific goal. Now, what can we do to make the most of that sale? Now, this comes back to one of our favorite, our favorite discussion points, analytics. The data that you get back from the performance of a sale is incredibly valuable to how you need to structure or order your business in the future. Mm. It's a great way of monitoring performance of not only your marketing techniques, but also of any other marketing channels that you're currently using through discount codes. 
So when you have a sale on for 10, 15% off and you create a, a special discount code, you're now able to see how that discount code performs. How many times has this discount code been used? Where did people witness this discount code? For example, if I put a discount code on my Facebook page called Facebook 10, and then I know that 15 people have used the Facebook 10 discount code, then I know how well that specific discount code performs on Facebook compared to one that I've put on social media, on, on um, Instagram, for example. If I've given a discount code to a influencer, I'm able to actually see how that discount code performs versus my own internal marketing techniques. And then by taking in that data, by understanding how they perform, you're able to rejig or um, repurpose your budget. The other thing to think about is your marketing spend. So a lot of people forget that a discount is a marketing spend because effectively what you're doing is you're taking money out of your pocket or money that would have been in your pocket and you're committing it to new customer acquisition or existing mm. customer acquisition. So it's um, it's a very big waste if you're not tracking how much money you are actually spending through your sales. So by discounting 20%, for instance, of a £100 product, what you're saying is, I am spending £20 to make this sale. Now, is that worth it in the long run? And ultimately, how much money did you end up spending to get the revenue that you got? Because £20 for a £80 sale sounds fantastic, but once you strip away all of your other costs and expenses, yep. On a macro level, is that still worthwhile? The other reason why I think sales are effective is because it's a great way of introducing you to a new customer base. If you're trying to penetrate a new market, having a sale on is a great way of saying to a customer, hey, try us out for the first time. We know that you don't know us and we know that you're taking a risk by purchasing with us. So as a result, we are going to reduce the amount that you have to spend in order to make that risk seem a lot less, yes. a lot less significant. It's an effective way of entering into a new market. And it's an effective way of reaching a new customer base. So these are the different types of things that you want to, to consider. And with that last point around reducing risk of new customers, when you are doing a sale, it's paramount that you make sure that you're promoting it in areas that you wouldn't usually promote because that way you can see if this is a good way of drawing in new customers test out your black friday sale in a different area test it out on tiktok test it out on um on tumblr test it out on linkedin test it out with flyers in your local area just to see if you just get a general different response with this sale from your typical business activity. Yeah. I think the only thing I would add to that is really thinking about what you do before, during and afterwards. So mm. that, that drum beat for yourself is something which Abby's mentioned previously, which is really, really important. 
because okay you've decided that this is the strategic intent it's going to happen um, how and when you notify people of it can be crucial if it is not a flash yes. sale if it's a flash sale then don't um let that be something which is for uh current customers to take advantage of but if it is a wider um casting next sale to everyone the general public let there be a drumbeat um practically this could be two messages prior on different stages just to notify them that something is coming just to create that anticipation that eagerness to encourage them to hold back on their first choice because you're probably not their first choice to wait to see what you're doing to spend a bit of time digging into your company so that they know you um, during collaboration is something which I'm finding isn't happening as much as it used to and I'm being challenged personally to really go back into pursuing it and when I when I mention collaboration I mention collaboration with other companies in theory it is incredible because you're cross pollinating I don't have to really expand upon that in practice it can be extremely challenging potentially because of the behaviors and attitudes of the directors everyone wants to feel as if they're getting the best deal people aren't going for win-win people feel as if mm. they're going to be exploited somehow there is so much in the psychology behind why it doesn't happen often enough but it just it just should i saw one beautiful example again for the third time on a website which my wife had me on where at the very top of the website there were tabs linking to other websites and when i saw it it, it grieved my soul because it took me back to Three, four years ago, when there were specific companies which I said, "Listen, we're in the same industry. I'm doing well. I know you're doing well. Let's cross pollinate. We don't even have to break any pre GDPR rules here. I can simply just market my stuff through your email addresses. You're sending the email, and vice versa. A step further, I can create a whole link." on my website to your page and vice versa pursue it maybe it's just been my experiences and the people that I've, I've spoken to where i've encouraged it it's begun to happen i've given far more than what we received and almost been burnt by it but in theory it works so i'm holding on to the theory afterwards you now have acquired all of that data we're all data companies data is king what are you doing with it abby and i have a a saying which is getting on the phones. Um, there was a time when we were team leaders in a call center and when times were hard and business was very low for the company, um, we had to double up as team leaders and um, telephone operators. We had to get on the phones ourselves rather than leading other people who were getting on the phones. The, the ideology there is pick up the phone and call people. Find out two months, a month after the sale, find out their experiences, let them know that you're still here. Don't rely purely on email marketing because most of us just delete it straight away or ignore it. Get them to give you something more, whether that be information, how have you found this specifically, or whether that be preferences. What are you looking for that we don't have? Looking at one competitor recently, because competitor analysis is always occurring, they've offered an item which I, I thought of previously, but I didn't think it was economically viable. However, it seems as if it's performing well for them. And my assumption is 
purely because of their branding and not because of the product. Like everything, you might sell something and it will do well. I might sell exactly the same thing, it will do appallingly because of our brands. Is there an opportunity for you to pivot through that data into something new? So those are a few things I just wanted to share for people to think about because it's, it's more than just the revenue in that specific moment. It is around that lifetime customer value. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I don't have anything more to add to that point. I think finally from, from me, the, the question that I would encourage people to ask themselves when considering a sale is simply, is this economically viable? <laughs> it sounds like a silly question, but it's a very it important sounds, question. It does. It does. And I, w- what I want to do is encourage you guys to consider your business model. Because some people put their, their products on sale and see a great response. And then they feel warm and cuddly um, as a result. But then the numbers don't actually allow this to be a sustainable business. If people are only purchasing from you when you have massive sales on, then your business model is broken, unfortunately, for for potentially a few reasons. It means that your pricing strategy hasn't worked because people aren't willing to pay for your product at full price, which means that you need to check the, um, go back to the drawing board there. It also means that your costs may be too high and you may need to drop your costs so that you can drop your Uh, normal retail price Mm. but you really need to consider all of the outgoings what is your EBIT what are your earnings before interest and tax what is your what is your gross margin what is your net profit these numbers need to be understood because if your net profit is 20% and your discount is 20% then you're working for free which which may make financial sense for a short period because you're trying to you know do a, a customer acquisition campaign etc but it doesn't as Afalabi um, mentioned leave you with enough room wiggle room to then pay your tax bill so I really encourage people to look at their numbers in detail if you're noticing that when you put on a discount your your products get sold very quickly but when it's at normal price it doesn't get sold very quickly then it may mean that your normal retail price is too high and if you're not able to offer your normal re- your your discounted price as your normal price then you need to go and look at your operating model and see if you can get rid of some of your costs in order to get your retail price down now i understand that this is a little bit more mathematical and some people's eyes may be glazing over listening to this but it's absolutely crucial when you're running sales because what I don't want people to do is run a sale and actually be in the red as a result no listen listen back to it people because it's it's very very important it could cripple you Um, especially if you are a a corporated business who's paying tax you need to get these numbers right please really think about the data I was speaking about the data earlier you have an an amazing opportunity even if people do not purchase if you've got certain mechanisms within your brand go back to how to e-commerce where there are retargeting messages for carts via email via text message if you have um, marketing solutions 
which target those people after they visited your website, even though they didn't purchase, there is still almost a drumbeat afterwards of opportunities where funnily enough, people can still purchase when the sale hasn't occurred. It's fascinating how there are many instances where we are actively promoting a code. It's in your face, but people don't use it. that, That in itself is a whole different session, but it means that the sale isn't the pillar of your business and never think that it is what sells period should I say completely agree um, I've enjoyed this one I feel like it's come brought us back to to maybe more expensive lessons classic uh, just delving into some of the lessons that we've learned and I, I think that this is one of those episodes which needs a part two specifically mm. around pricing strategy because it's a question or a discussion that a lot of people don't necessarily delve into. It's like, well, how do I price my product? If I'm a small business, should I be pricing my products the same as some of these established big businesses? How do I know what price is the right price? Mm. And there are a lot of questions and there are a lot of strategies that you can use in order to find the answer to your question. Yeah. So I'm very interested in delving into that at some point in the future. Pricing strategies are a, a huge one. It's it's one that my my wife has gone through recently, where she just realised that she was just undercutting herself through almost a desperation to generate leads. But when you actually do the the maths, you might realise this is this is not sustainable, and it's actually counterproductive. And what she did was to offer another stream to supplement the first. It's, it's, again, something we can go into greater detail, but definitely worth another episode. And within that episode, we could almost share two case studies of two end of year periods where we're looking at um, percentages. So you can actually understand, okay, how the strategy in one year may have been better than the other. Mm. I like that. All right, it's on the list. Okay. Okay, I think that was my uh, alarm to to go. Good timing. Um, As always, ladies and gentlemen listening, we really appreciate your insight. We really appreciate your thoughts. Any specific questions that you have. This is just an opportunity for us to share the lessons that we've learned. So if you feel like there's more that you can can gain from us, then get in touch with us. If you'd like to join us for an episode, then don't be a stranger. As Menas did uh, last week, we're really keen to have dissenting voices, opposition to our statements. Um, Menas offline said that sometimes you guys come across holier than thou. What was the word that she used? Um... I think it was pompous i think that might have been the word um but yeah i mean if if you would like to take us down a peg because your experience and your wisdom has taken you down a different path or to, to different outcomes we're more than happy to have you on to to show us that we we don't know what we're talking about but as always we just we're, we're thankful for you joining us this has been another episode of Expensive Lessons where company directors share the fruit of their labor, share the stories and experiences that they've learned from. And we really hope that you enjoy it and have a fantastic week. See you soon. God bless.